0: Whiskey Bench. I'm Steven Torna.
1: I'm Cat Dwyer.
0: We are here this evening, February 24th, 2023, for another episode of News and Brews. That's right. Yes. <laughs> for the listeners, I think uh this is going to be a treat. There's going to be two episodes released fairly close to each other. <laughs> yeah. We recorded on Sunday last week. I'm a horrible human being. Oh, stop. <laughs> and uh, my plan is to now edit because I don't know what I was thinking. I was literally living in Big Sky for four days. So. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've been living at your work. So, yes, yes. <laughs> that's a fair excuse. Um,
0: literally staying in Big Sky all on, week
1: on the job site,
0: down the road from it. All right. We ended down up, the road. We 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 did contemplate literally sleeping in at the job site right but a little separation yeah it's good there's some healthiness there so (laughs) (laughs) been a crazy week but i I was gonna say i had a three-day weekend but most of today was today really wasn't a day off (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it wasn't in big sky which is great there you go but yeah that's the update for my week it just works cool per usual
1: yeah me too pretty much and uh, it was really cold.
2: That's right, it
0: was freezing temperatures.
1: Cold. Yeah, my my family back home in the Bay Area, they're having proper snow, which hasn't occurred in the Bay Area since like the 1970s. It's very rare.
3: Yeah, I, I would yeah. think
1: most of the people there like have never experienced it and are probably like losing their shit. Right. Accidents. Scenes from the highways and, yeah. are funny. Like they've <laughs> closed down major highways, like apparently because you know it's, uh, understandably, nobody's prepared driving snow. Yeah, my cousin who lives up in the Santa Cruz Mountains sent me a video. They, she got six inches. Like, at first, I was like, oh, cute. You got a dusting. That's fun. And then she got six inches. That's that's real. Yeah.
0: That's actually a ton.
1: That's a lot. I know. So.
0: You know, everyone's just, like, pushing the limits. They all have bald tires. Right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Just fucking
1: sliding all over the place. Yeah. yeah for sure. So. But we are enjoying a delicious beer. I love this beer.
0: Yeah, it is really great. You know, we've had some just like wheat lagers yeah. on the News and Brews before, and they're all just, they're like not flavorful. No, they're not. And this is probably the lightest we've ever had, mm-hmm. but it actually is flavorful.
1: It really is. It has depth.
0: It does. Uh, So we are enjoying this evening, a Bozeman, Montana brewed. Mm-hmm. Yamabiko Rice Lager from New Hokkaido, um, who uses the mountain walkings brewing facility,
1: which is like the best collaboration ever. Oh yeah, and I all love they it. do is
0: like <laughs> Japanese seltzers, Japanese beers. Mm-hmm. This is made with rice from Hokkaido, Japan. The little, uh, the I mean, the art on all of the New Hokkaido stuff is amazing. Yeah, but here's their little write-up for this beer. The Yamabiko rice lager. Wait, did you hear that? That mountain echo that took too long? Shout again. Now listen, the Yamabiko are answering you somewhere up in that snowy peak.
2: Was that
1: a um? I I
0: don't know, is the Yamabiko like a little animal? Maybe it's like a mythological animal. I don't know animal. what a Yamabiko is. Yamabiko, Yamabiko.
1: That was a haiku, I think. Oh. Was it, was it? I don't know. I
0: think
1: it might have been.
0: You're the one that's literate. <laughs>
1: I think it might have been a haiku. I like it. Very Japanese.
2: Anyway, I don't... (laughs) How would you describe it? I almost am picking up like floral notes. It's a very pretty color.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And it's not like the um, chopping wood purple rice lager that tasted like rice. Right. Even though it was really, really good. This doesn't have like a super... Like intense rice flavor, but... Anyway, I mean, it's just it's delightful. It's light. It's refreshing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like what a PBR should be.
2: Yeah, it is what a PBR. Yeah, it tastes refined.
0: Right, like the Japanese tend to do. They take things right and refine them, make them better. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. And this is this is something actually. This is something we should do on a on a regular episode. I think the only time we've ever featured just a straight up liquor was. Uh, Laphroaig 10. That's right. With Henning. Mm-hmm. But we could do, I guess, some, some solo stuff every now and again. I'm uh, thinking of Japanese whiskey because that's yeah. so not Japanese. And in the last decade, they've taken it and just nailed it and make incredible whiskey.
1: Yeah, I'd be into it.
0: So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, I mean, this is obviously a, is an American company influenced by Japan, but. Japanese stuff. It's delicious.
1: An American company impersonating a Japanese style that's influenced by America.
0: That is correct.
3: <laughs> it's cool. It
1: works. I like it. I like it a lot.
0: <laughs> oh, Right. I don't know much about like the Japanese history of alcohol, but I don't believe they did any sort of malted drinks. It was all uh, like sake and things like that, but I might be incorrect. They've been doing fermented things.
2: Right. Yeah, so. I don't know a lot about the history yeah, of Japanese booze.
0: Anyway, it's a great beer. Check me out. If you're in the area, grab some. I don't know totally. if you can get it anywhere outside of the valley, frankly.
1: Which is kind of nice.
0: Yeah, it is great. Mm-hmm. Don't come to Bozeman. Yeah, don't. Don't try this beer.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. I
1: saw a study uh, out of MSU, Montana State. With they've like, I don't know, implemented some new model, which models are usually wrong, but they're predicting that I think like another 45,000 people are going to move here by 2030.
0: Here is in Bozeman.
1: Gallatin Valley.
0: Oh, Lord have mercy.
1: That's like more than doubling what we currently have.
0: I don't know how we can handle that. I know.
1: I don't know how we can Our either. infrastructure kind of sucks. It does. It's not designed. To, that's the story of everyone in the Mountain West. That's true. Boise, Salt Lake City. None of them are prepared for Which this
0: level of growth. Also, our water treatment is an issue. So they might have to fast track that expansion project.
1: Yeah, perhaps. They'll have to raise taxes, raise funds for it. Hopefully they actually put the money towards the project, not like in California where they just don't.
0: (laughs) All right. I think I had mentioned this to you before and I I don't tell me why this is not a good idea. Okay. (laughs) Maybe it is a good idea. I don't know. You're the resident expert. Why don't they just have a sales tax? For non residents,
1: I totally agree with you. I agree with you. I actually, um, someone was talking about this the other day and they said, Well, you know, if we did away with our state income tax, we'd have to have a sales tax, as if that was a bad thing. And I was like, Yeah, I think that would be a better trade off. We yeah. have so many tourists, well, and the- they spend money and they support large parts of our economy, but. In terms of tax revenue and like their wear and tear on our infrastructure and resources, they're not paying into that.
0: They're not. And that's just it. Like, they're obviously, it, it helps businesses with their growth. Yeah. But the tax burden is just on those businesses. Right. Exactly. And it would be great to see mm-hmm. all these filthy little goblins play, paying taxes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It you want to nice. come, you know, put baby buffalo in the back of your truck?
1: Who's putting baby buffalo? This back? happened a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: Somebody, Somebody like stole a baby buffalo, put it in the back of their car. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. Anyway, I more just don't like the like
1: literally Lamborghinis driving into like Livingston or, you know, the. Mercedes SUVs all tricked out in downtown Bozeman with like old people and like ridiculous costume like country western fur coats wandering around. And it's just, oh, yeah, because they're the most like pretentious, non residents, obnoxious yeah. thing ever.
0: It's funny yeah. working up in Big Sky now as we're driving, we just the amount of people mm. driving with out of state license plates, yeah, wearing cowboy hats.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: While driving. Right. So, you know, they're like their heads all like leaning forward, all stupid because <laughs> they can't use the headrest.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. That's really. They're just like oh, you're
0: not even paying taxes.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure.
1: I know. I'm not one for like raising taxes or increasing regulation, but it does seem like we need to do something about wealthy out of staters buying up all the single family homes and only being there for like a month out of the year. Or using them for vacation rentals instead of renting to locals. There's, there's got to be a solution to that. But
0: yeah, I don't know about that. We should do an episode at some point about maybe like short-term rental and yeah. Airbnb and VRBO, Verbo, Economy, yeah. and things like that.
1: Which I used to be like fully supportive of, but now that I and
0: I am because I'm like that's what all I want to do.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, maybe I'm, not, I'm the problem. I'm not anti it, and I use those services, and I'm glad they exist. But it just sucks that it's it's now there are more of those, and there are places for locals to rent. I mean, when you have such an imbalance that like people who live and work in your community can't find a place to rent because all the available housing is being short-term rented to.
2: Right, I don't know. Right, it's and, really but, frustrating. And
0: the, but then the flip side is because I'm a builder, right, and I'm. I've built so many Airbnbs now for people. Yeah. And I want to own my own. I'm tired of building other people's wealth for them. But (laughs) they're six to eight timing what they could with short term.
1: In terms of what they can earn. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And so. Well, that's why I think like almost more than anything, it's like a cultural thing and people need to choose. Yeah, totally. To rent to locals and choose to sell to
0: locals. Right. But like, here's the thing. Here's a great example was part of a, uh, what do you call it, an ADU build, an auxiliary dwelling unit.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Total expense was under 300000 so the owners got a two-car garage and then a rental above. They short-term rent it, and from what I understand, after they account for their mortgage and they hire someone to take care of it, they're netting like almost 60,000 a year off of it.
1: Wow. I mean, good for them.
0: That pencils out really well. It sure does. Very quickly. Yeah, it makes
1: sense. But at the same time.
0: But yes, exactly. Those are
1: potentially the same people that you hear from all the time when you talk to people in the community that are pissed that like the quaint tight knit community is being destroyed and like the culture is shifting and you don't know your neighbors anymore. And it's like, well, that's because you're inviting in this change that is disrupting it. You know, I think my landlord has done. It's kind of funny. Like she owns two units, you know, this two Mm -hmm. units next to each other. I rent one long term, obviously, I've been there for three years. And then the place next door is a vacation rental and she keeps my rent low. And that's wonderful and I'm so appreciative of it. And I love that house and I take really good care of it. And next door, she's charging like good she's making money on the place next door. Like yeah, a lot of money. Totally. On the place next door. To the point where my family's like, we can't stay there. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's like she's doing well. Yes. But that's kind of like I think in her mind that was like her trade off. She was like, I'm gonna exploit this thing and like make a ton of money off of it. And like people in the neighborhood are gonna hate it because there's constantly like Assholes showing up in their stupid <laughs> sprinter vans, literally parking in the middle of the driveway at an angle, and I don't understand why anyone would do that. But, anyways, but her penance is I live next door. I'm right. a local. I work in the community, and I live next door. And my rent isn't high, so you know I don't know if there's a way for people to sort of balance it. Right there, I you go. that makes it better. But anyway, this is not what we were going to no, talk about. No, not tonight. at all.
0: But this is you know this is this is what we do. This is our little intro catch up. So. We'll we'll dive into this at a later time. But yeah, we've got two we've got two stories for you this evening. A couple different options. Kat, you're gonna be talking about uh COVID studies.
1: Yes, sir. Um yeah.
0: telling us what we've known for <laughs> yeah. three years. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean <clears throat> um parroting fascist talking points. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then I'm gonna talk about Norfolk, East Palestine, Ohio, BlackRock ukraine juicy it all ties together big juicy one freakish (laughs) oligarchical hellscape hellscape yeah there you go so cool you want to lead us this evening
1: yeah yeah for sure so two relatively new studies have come out um that to your point uh just confirm that common sense was right so that's good um one involves masks and the efficacy of wearing them and whether it really makes any difference in terms of transmitting the virus. And then what's the word I'm looking for? The um, Whether or not natural immunity offers the same level of protection as the mRNA vaccines. So <clears throat> start with a mask study. Cochrane, which is a British nonprofit that apparently is widely considered sort of the gold standard for its review of uh, healthcare data, analyzed 78 studies with over 610,000 participants from around the world. Um, and the goal of collating all this data was to better understand the effectiveness of both surgical masks and higher quality N95 masks. Um, the studies took place in low, middle, and high income countries worldwide, in hospital schools, homes, offices, childcare centers, and com- uh, communities during um, not just the COVID pandemic, but non- epidemic influenza periods. The global H1N1 influenza pandemic in 2009, which I've had. I've had swine flu.
0: Fun fact. <laughs> I
1: survived two pandemics um, with like catching the little the little beast. Um. Anyway, and then you need a
0: shirt that just says like I survived swine flu. <laughs> I should. It's like um. This is a horrible thing, but I knew the <laughs> sorry. Don't slightly. Go for it. I knew someone that had a shirt, and this is awful, but it said it just said I survived SIDS. SIDS. Sudden Infant Death oh, Syndrome.
3: That's, <laughs> that's awful.
1: That's like and it's always sunny when <laughs> yeah. Charlie's like learns that his mom. Tried to have an abortion.
0: I literally just watched that episode last oh, did week. You? Yeah. <laughs> We've been watching uh, It's Always Sunny every night. Oh,
1: that's great. When we're, do-
0: like, staying up in Big Sky. <laughs> that's beautiful, yeah. Uh,
1: I survived the abortion, yeah. Mom. <laughs> so funny.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, so great. Sorry to derail.
1: Yeah, that no, was all good. <laughs> so... Um, So both those of those like non-epidemic and then like actual pandemic um, influenza outbreaks and then also COVID, um, sort of the different eras that these studies like took place. So the study conclusions, um, I'm going to read directly from the study, compared with wearing no mask in the community studies only, wearing a mask may make little to no difference in how many people caught a flu-like illness or COVID-like illness and probably makes little or no difference in how many people have flu or COVID confirmed by a laboratory test. Also, compared with wearing medical or surgical masks, wearing N95 or P2 respirators probably makes little to no difference in how many people have confirmed flu and make little to no difference in how many people catch a flu-like illness or respiratory illness. So, they make little to no difference. Mm-hmm. And that's not to suggest that under certain particular circumstances, wearing a proper mask properly, like fitted properly, you know, in a cramped room with a ton of people and bad ventilation, when you know people are sick, like that might be effective. Mm-hmm. But the idea that like mandating people wear masks 24 7, regardless of circumstances, even if you're outside in fresh air on a t- hike, like I saw at the height of the pandemic fathers right, with right. their little kids wearing masks. And like the kid looks like she can't breathe. And she's also just wearing a cloth mask, which, which does and this nothing. Was, and this
0: was mainstream <laughs> knowledge like years ago that yeah. like as far as transmission outside and outdoors, especially is right. like null.
1: Well, and Fauci even said in the beginning that it makes no sense. And then, of course, he backtracked and was like, no, 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 I only said that because I was trying to, I didn't want people I didn't to, want to
0: run on masks. A run on PPE. masks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, great. Bullshit. Anyways. So you don't care if people die if it's convenient? Question mark? <laughs> <Right? Yeah. laughs>
1: I can't wait to see the studies a few years from now from, of how much like pollution and waste was created by masks. I
0: can't imagine.
1: I mean, it's got to be a lot. I mean, because think of how many units were created of, like, disposable masks that are, you know, there's hundreds in a box at every counter, right? Yep. And then you just multiply that by, like, millions.
0: Yeah, and all of the gloves and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just crazy stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So, this, that study confirmed what common sense people already knew. And then the natural immunity study... This one was published by The Lancet, which is, I think most people are familiar with that, but it's a prominent um, scientific journal. And this, uh, that study reviewed a total of 65 studies from 19 different countries comparing how, how much a COVID-19 infection protected a person from subsequent reinfection and illness and how that protection compared to getting vaccinated. So again, I'll read from the study. So the study found that although protection from reinfection from all variants wanes over time, our analysis of the available data suggests that the level of protection afforded by previous infection is at least as high, if not higher, than that provided by two-dose vaccination using high-quality mRNA vaccines. Further, protection from past infection against reinfection from pre-Omicron variants was very high and remained high even after 40 weeks, and protection from severe disease was high for all variants. So basically, if you had natural immunity, you were, what's the exact language? At least as high, if not higher, than pr- the protection provided by two doses of mRNA vaccines.
0: Right. And I this was a while ago, and so I it, take this with a grain of salt. But also what I had seen is that natural immunity was a longer lasting form of immunity.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's what this study found was that, so for people who had the pre-Omicron variant, Mm -hmm. their immunity lasted for over 40 weeks, which is longer than what you'd get with the vaccines. Mm -hmm. And so the study did find that infection with an earlier version of the virus didn't give as much protection against the Omicron variant itself, because it was different enough that it sort of could evade that Immunity, but the study says that protection against severe disease remained high for all variants with 90.2% for ancestral alpha and delta variants and 88.9% for Omicron BA1 at 40 weeks. So, even still, Mm -hmm. that's better protection than what you get with the vaccines. I mean, the vaccines were completely evaded by Omicron, didn't matter. Yeah, totally. So, And those are waning after, you know, I mean, now they're trying to do boosters every six months or so, but which I won't go into all of it here because I didn't prepare notes for it, but there is some really good information out there about how some epidemiologists and virologists and people who specialize in vaccines are starting to question whether or not the rate at which we're coming up with boosters to address variants is actually forcing the so, virus to mutate. This is actually helping
0: select for, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like accelerating that mutation. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a really scary thought. So, so basically the bulk of our debate over whether or not to do things like m- make mask wearing mandatory for children or make vaccination mandatory in order to be employed were totally unnecessary and divisive exercises not grounded in science at all. We now know that masking children stunted development and that mandating a vaccine that not only doesn't prevent catching the virus or transmitting it, but actually offers similar or less protection than natural immunity was in fact an affront to the actual science, the all holy capital S science. And we now know definitively that the government pressuring communication platforms, i.e. big tech, to censor any voices that diverge from the bureaucratic consensus was not only flirting dangerously with abridging free speech rights but was in fact not based in science but in political expediency cuz as we've sort of joked like ever, common sense people were pointing this stuff out for years at this point and were ridiculed and sidelined and censored in mm-hmm. some instances but if your average Joe could have figured this stuff out, like our health authorities knew. People have known, to your point, we've known whether masks are effective or not for a long, long before COVID.
0: Um, and, and the thing is, is like with that, is like masks have been common use as a form of PPE for a long time
1: under certain circumstances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, like surgery.
0: Right. Yeah. And hospital settings. And, yeah. Right. And high-density places, like right. you mentioned, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But
1: Yeah. So they knew mandating, it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, across-the-board blanket mandates. Making kids who are at virtually no risk of any serious side effects from COVID to wear cloth masks that don't do anything. I mean, that was the other thing. Like, everyone was wearing cloth masks. I mean, that was really... And then eventually, like, a year and a half into the pandemic, they finally admitted, like, well, N95 or, like surgical mask are, are really what bust. you should be wearing yeah, you know yeah. it's like oh no no fucking shit <laughs> like wearing a thin cotton over your face isn't doing anything other than like restricting your breathing and like limiting children from being able to you know learn how to speak and mimic people's like you know speech patterns and facial movements and mannerisms like it really stunted chil- like childhood development Anyway.
2: Oh yeah, totally. My point is, also like, fast
0: tracked. Uh, you know, facial recognition technology that will be used against us in the future. Because, oh, well, like, my phone now, like my bank app, I'm pretty sure has like face mask compatible, like face ID.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting.
0: So you're like, great now.
1: I well, something <laughs> interesting I saw. That's kind of an aside, but. I saw an interview like a man on the street interview um, and the interviewer spoke with like a handful of uh, Chinese nationals in the US and they said that they primarily wear like you know it is culturally more acceptable to just like wear masks when you're sick right there Mm -hmm. right and proper masks like real medical ones but um, this woman one of the women that they interviewed said that. That she and people she knows wears them, they wear them strategically um, so that they can't, like, in China, so that they can't be recognized by, like, because there's cameras everywhere. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? And, like, they're, like, constantly gathering data, taking, you know, photos and videos of everything that's happening. Um, and so, apparently, like, people there will wear them to evade that.
0: Totally. It's, and it's, like, twofold, Right. It protects your privacy and then also increases your social credit score.
3: (laughs) Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah, Yeah, maybe we'll get to a point in a dystopian future where all the anon torch hand trolls are like pro masks just so they can evade. (laughs) This is like
0: a reverse psychology like marketing thing. Yeah, totally. You just got to hit all like these, you know, (laughs) anti-mask people and be like, no, man, like. It's it's for your own personal security. Right. <laughs> yeah. Then they'd adopt it. The government's spying on you. Wear a mask and they Wear won't know who you are. Yeah. You're going to see all these people with like N95 and ski masks. <laughs> oh my
1: God. Yeah. Well, no, they'll probably just opt for like balaclavas or whatever they're called. And oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, anyway. <laughs> I love balaclavas. <laughs> when it's really cold. It's nice. Yeah. I
0: got one laying right here somewhere.
1: Yeah. It's like a common thing. I saw people. It was negative. Um. 17 the other morning and i saw a guy walking somewhere and i laughed because he didn't have a absolutely no skin exposed he Mm -hmm. had he was like perfectly covered with like a balaclava and then a beanie and then glasses big down coat scarf Mm -hmm. like he was just like perfectly you know insulated yeah yeah but so they come in handy in cold cold climates but anyway so All of this is to say or to ask, will our overlords be humbled by this data and these studies that find that their policies were a mistake? And sadly, initial evidence suggests that they won't.
0: No, and this this ties (laughs) a little bit into... Recent talk about the whole uh WHO, the CA plus initiative. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm going to
1: talk about a certain WHO initiative. I don't know, it's not called CH plus, but oh,
0: maybe I have it wrong. Is this the one where they're trying to get they basically want countries to become a part of it and in the case of another pandemic, yes, Yes. give them Mm -hmm. control, yeah. And in this document, you want to Yeah, well I'll go dive into, into yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Crazy. So crazy. It's not like so, terrifying. Totally. Yeah. So
1: so first of all, in terms of whether or not we've learned our lesson, CDC director Rochelle Walensky says that she took issue with the analysis reliance on a small number of COVID specific randomized control trials, which I'll just say again, both of these studies were like meta studies, meaning they were compiling multiple studies over multiple like over long periods of time. Like I said, the first one included over six hundred thousand people in seventy-eight countries. And the the Lancet one was calling from, from sixty-five different studies in nineteen different countries. So it's not as if this is a small sample size, but that's her excuse. And she insisted that her agency's guidance on masking in schools would not change. So
0: I'm sure, right? She's just- not
1: gonna she just flat out is ignoring it and isn't gonna change course, regardless of whether it is harmful to children or not. Um, and then even more worryingly to the th- what you just referenced. Um, so the Biden administration has for year for since 2022 has been in talks with the World Health Organization to sign on to a treaty that would essentially submit all of the signatories to who guidance who I'm going to refer to WHO is who yeah, <laughs> going totally, for it yeah. um, during the next pandemic. So they've released something that they're calling the zero draft. Which I'm like, can these globalists like stop having, like everything is so dystopian. Like, I don't know who their comms teams are. but Uh,
0: They're not real humans. They need
1: need a different approach. But anyway, so the zero draft, which will be linked to all the studies, this draft document from the WHO, and then a couple of articles will be
0: linked in the show notes. Um, Uh, And the one I'm not sure, maybe this was a different, I thought it was the CA plus initiative, but like, I just, I just read it on the, the, the WHO's website.
1: Yeah, no, this isn't a conspiracy theory. It's, yeah, it's like well reported. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. So, uh, so basically, this the pandemic treaty was published this do, this first draft because basically they've been in talks. Conservatives freaked out about a year ago, and then I found today all of these old articles of fact checkers saying like this isn't happening. Fast forward a year later, and who finally publishes an actual draft of the treaty, and it is real. They published it on February 1. Um, and basically, it seeks ratification by all 194 WHO member states. And a meeting of the WHO's intergovernmental negotiating body um, is scheduled for February 27th of this month. So, yep,
0: just a few days in three days
1: <laughs> to work out the final terms, which all members will then sign.
0: It's a two year, it's, it's a two year contract per renewal, I believe.
1: I you you may be right. I, I didn't read that, no. but basically written written under the banner of the quote world together equitably.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it.
1: That's not dystopian. Red sounding. flags. <laughs> <laughs> so the zero draft grants the WHO the power to declare and manage a global pandemic emergency. Once a health emergency is declared, all signatories, including the United States, would submit to the authority of the WHO regarding treatments, governance, regulations such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains, and monitoring and surveillance of populations. Yep. So in the story that we'll link in the show notes, this is from the Epic Times, which is actually quite a good news source. FYI, it requires, there's a paywall, but- Always. They're great. Physician Meryl Nass told the Epic Times, quote, if these rules go through as currently drafted, I as a doctor will be told that I am allowed to give a patient- or excuse me, I will be told what I am allowed to give a patient and what I am prohibited from giving a patient whenever the WHO declares a public health emergency. So they can tell you you're getting remdesivir, but you can't get hydroxychlor- hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. What they're also saying is they believe in equity, which, mean, which means everybody in the world gets vaccinated whether you need it or not, whether you're already you know, naturally immune or not.
0: Okay, and this is what's frustrating about that is is they say that kind of stuff, but the West just in general, specifically the United States just has a monopoly on innovation. Mhm. I mean, it's one of the beautiful things about America. Yeah, totally. Our innovation is incredible. Right. Drugs and everything like that. Yeah. But like here's a great example. The monkeypox scare,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which I don't think, it just didn't take ground. Thank God. <laughs> it just didn't take off. But, like, monkeypox is a real thing. And the thing is, is, I've been looking at this. Africa's been plagued with it for, like, 15 years. And then this happens, and then magically, all these pharmaceuticals are like, oh, yeah, we've just been sitting on a monkeypox vaccine. So we're ready. You can get yours today. And you're like, wait, but, like, people have just been dying in <laughs> sub-Saharan Africa for 15 years? Hmm. And you've had the vaccine. I guess they're ring for the right profit opportunity. Yeah.
1: They're waiting until they can get emergency youth a- authorization yeah, and totally, have no liability totally. for any side and effects. So, like,
0: this, <laughs> they don't care about equity. Yeah. No, they don't give a fuck. At least outside of the world. Honestly, West, right? at this
1: point, if any bureaucracy, whether it's a global organization or just a national one or even a state one,
2: when they use the word equity, in my mind, like, that is that that's a what's the leftist term it's a it's a
1: uh dog whistle for something else in dog. my mind oh like it's just it's 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 signaling something that it has nothing to do with equal treatment of people oh, oh, and yeah, it has yeah. everything to do yeah. with some sinister agenda to actually force people to submit to their will but So basically, technically, each member nation's participation would need to be ratified um, by its national legislature. That's legally how it would work. But the WHO agreement holds a clause that the accord will go into effect on a provisional basis. So as soon as it is signed by the delegates, it will it'll be legally binding um, on members without being ratified by legislatures. So there's basically a clause that circumvents. The national sovereignty and the rules that would normally make make sure that the people of the nations are actually heard um, via their legislatures to vote on this Mm -hmm. stuff. So Republicans have crafted legislation that they think would help try to like basically veto this treaty. We'll see where that goes. Um, It's one of these things that you know again the mainstream media really isn't talking about, and it's a shame because not only does this give the World Health Organization authority to control and determine like how we respond to a pandemic, but it also means that like if they declare one,
3: mm-hmm.
1: we have no choice in whether or not we agree and respond accordingly. Right. And like, the thing they is they can that- declare one. And they've also expanded sort of their definition of like health emergencies and they've made it really fluffy and using language like equitability and whatever to to make room for, for basically saying that like climate change has health impacts and therefore we can, you know, claim a climate emergency that implicates the world health organization. And therefore like our governing authority kicks in and we can make rules that the world has to follow. Um, so it's just another arm of sort of, I mean, I'm not like,
2: (laughs) I don't know. It's another arm of, globalist power that
1: is very real. You know, I don't mean to be Alex Jonesy, but there are global well, authorities that are. are seeking to consolidate and centralize power and this is one of their vehicles yes. and we should be paying attention yeah, to here's it.
0: Here's another very important thing about this. In this in this uh goal zero initiative or whatever it is. Draft, to zero. draft 0, which yeah. is it is I just confirmed it is the CA+ plus. This is completely self-appointed representation. Yeah. Because in this document, they discuss that each country, member, member country uh, of this organization and this pact will have two representatives, but the representatives are selected by the (laughs) WHO. By who? And here's the other thing that is just a huge red flag. The WHO made so many mistakes over those three years. So many. Put out so much false information.
2: They
1: allowed China to basically like withhold data in the beginning. Yes. And they covered for them when they said, like, no, there's no human-to-human transmission. Right. Meanwhile, it was spreading around the world, and they weren't stopping flights.
0: And if <laughs> yeah. you put global control into one entity, yeah. and they make one mistake- Right. Especially if it is a real pandemic. Right. The entire world is screwed.
1: Right. Totally.
0: Whereas what we saw with COVID is that all of these countries, some followed who, some didn't, some did their own things, some didn't. Right. And, And some countries found stuff that worked better than others. Right. And the funny thing is what we found out is that countries that did nothing or or did their own thing versus followed, like, the Western protocol, pretty much all ended up the same.
3: Yeah,
1: that's the thing. The there only, really was no statistical difference. Yeah. At
0: least in, like, transmission and deaths. Yeah, right. The only difference is the countries that didn't follow the Western protocol probably don't have so much long-term, effed-up... Economic, economic impacts. Economic impacts yeah. and mental health impacts and developmental impacts with yeah, children. that's a good point. Yeah. So I'd make the argument that people that followed the non-Western protocol probably ended up better off. But, right.
1: Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's like fundamental to innovation, to prosperity, to finding truth. You need competition to do that. And you need diversity of ideas and approaches. And you need... To be able to fail. And that's how you find what works. And having everything centralized into one singular bureaucracy, which, by the way, what would that really mean? That would mean, like, maybe, like, maybe 50 people are in charge of the pandemic response for billions of people around the world. I mean, that's, that should be a terrifying thought to have that much power consolidated into a small group of people. And just... By the numbers, those people don't have enough information to possibly know what the right thing to do is. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a recipe for unforced errors and mistakes that are costly. And also, of course, people exploiting that power and maybe exaggerating risk and declaring pandemics that don't need to be declared and... I mean, if they can use climate change as an impetus to declare a global crisis that they have to have control over, you know.
0: Right. And then, like, in this in this article, Article 4 is the guiding principles. They have, you know, their mission statement about human rights, equity, solidarity, uh, inclusivity, gender equality, yeah. non-discrimination and respect for diversity, one Health, universal health coverage.
1: The One Health, by the way. And
0: evidence informed decisions.
1: One Health is about like monitoring people and their data.
0: Uh and giving them the right to that information. And in this document, there's also discussion about something that they term what did they call it? A uh infodemic? Oh, About a, a, a misinformation.
1: Misinformation. That's right. There's
0: also <laughs> Clauses about the right to seize property, Jesus, and to yeah, to basically straight up seizure of personal property.
1: That's yeah,
0: Um,
1: that's gonna be like the main. That's gonna be like the battle line. I think mm -hmm. they're gonna come for our private property. I mean, you already hear like the the hardcore activists talk about how you know private property is a bourgeois relic that needs to be done away with in the name of equity. And yeah, if they can use the global crisis as an excuse to do that, then we'll have 15-minute cities and we can all just, you know, walk everywhere. But you're not allowed to leave the city. But you don't need to leave the city and you shouldn't ask to leave the city. And you shouldn't ask what's happening outside of the city.
4: Because right. we've
1: created everything you need is there. So, you know, don't ask questions. Go to work. Eat the bugs. hmm
0: <laughs> And like we'll 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 post this cuz like I said it's right on the WHO's website. It's yeah. 32 pages, but it's like, you know, it's all bullet pointed. It's not that much. You can read through it. Mm-hmm. And and so much of the language is very ambiguous. And you're like, they're sharing a 32-page ambiguous document mm-hmm. for an initiative that basically gives some wishy-washy organization that has no buddy it is accountable to mm-hmm. complete and total control. Of countries, yeah. No, thank you.
1: Well, and it's also interesting because America and China are like the number one and number three funders of the World Health
0: Organization. Oh yeah, and and didn't we pull out of WHO for a while? Yeah, Trump did. Biden, which was based, and then super based, and then Biden (laughs) ruined it all, and we joined WHO again. Yeah,
1: but like. How does that work out when so what happens when World War Three kicks off and we're fighting with China and and like all of this is a cliche now because there's so many memes about it. But like we probably are going to go to war with China in the next several years. Right. And it's like how does that work out where we're at war with them? What if like a pandemic gets declared in the middle of that? And I don't know. Isn't it complicated if two enemy nations are funding the same globalist organization that under certain circumstances has power over both of them
2: honestly I just hope I just this this is just like nightmare
3: I know it's
1: totally nightmarish I hope that we I have to say though I do have like I have hope because I feel like there are There's plenty of people who are quote unquote based, who like see through the bullshit and like have common sense and recognize that these things are dangerous and that we shouldn't give an inch of our sovereignty because a mile will be taken. And then there's also just like fucking normal people that aren't paying attention closely because they've got better things to do. And I understand that. But like they've got enough common sense that they know that they don't want to be micromanaged. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. like I think there's enough people in the world that like if I think we I think we'll get uncomfortably close to flirting with these things and then we'll elect unfortunately that's our only recourse we'll elect somebody who will pull us out of these treaties and it'll probably be this annoying volley back and forth and each time we'll probably inch closer and closer to authoritarianism but i don't think it's you know it's not going to happen tomorrow but we probably will be a part of this agreement and then we're probably going to have to go get out And then the media will talk about how we're fascists for leaving the globalist organization that supersedes (laughs) our sovereignty, you know, or whatever the fuck they think. But, you
0: know, and just don't listen to them.
1: Don't listen to them. And
0: the thing is, is like, if something like this happens and the WHO CA plus initiative council tells you that you can't do something, just don't listen to them. Just
1: fucking do whatever you want. What are they going to do? Send a drone to, like, yeah. kill you, probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They probably won't do that. And no, they'll just make it so that you can't, like, have a job. and. You
0: know. Right, yeah. They'll freeze your bank accounts <laughs> and, <Yeah>. and <laughs> remotely prevent your car from starting. Right. And
4: <laughs> Shit.
0: Fabricate, you know, deep fake blackmail of you. And <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, all of a sudden they'll be like, horrific things on a laptop that you've never seen before that's associated with your social security number yeah i'm sure you get put in jail
4: yeah Uh. (laughs) so anyways
1: (laughs) but people should be aware and it really does make me laugh that there were all these fact checker articles like 10 months ago saying like this is a right-wing conspiracy and then you fast forward and we're like literally in three days like this thing's going to be decided on right yeah we'll be like, signed on to like it
0: signed on to for like 2024 launch right
3: mm-hmm.
0: and i even saw today like a USA or a, a USA that's a bank um usa <laughs> like fact check about this because my brother sent me a video on it oh and, really and everything like that
1: what did the fact check say and it was basically it was basically ones.
0: like this is false that we're gonna join this in three days and i was like well i don't know exactly what's going on but this is what it's slated for and biden is a Leader of our country, and 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 you, we're a who member, and, and we're, we're a who member, and, 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 and the U.S. Just... like who needs the U.S.?
1: I hope, yeah, we're their number one funder.
0: Right. This is the other thing too, with like <laughs> Trump pulling out everything like that. The who needs us? We don't need who. Totally.
1: We, yeah, we, we could we have, have total have, leverage over them. We
0: have all of the best resources. We have all of the best technology. Yeah. We have all of the best drugs.
1: If we had a competent leader, Trump made of Trump may have stumbled into like some based moves, but he's just obviously he's just he's a used car salesman. He's right. Yeah. Only interested in himself and his personal brand and whatever. And he's not very bright. If we had somebody. In a position of power and authority who like. Understood these things and could articulate them in a way like we to your point, like we have all the fucking leverage. We could be determining the direction of these globalist organizations. We could be determining the direction of what, like, you know, Europe is doing. I mean, Trump's telling the European Union, like, you guys need to start meeting your 2% commitment to, you know, on military spending to actually defend your own borders and not rely on the United States. That's completely reasonable. And, you know, again, you fast forward to today after the Russian invasion. Everybody's acknowledging that, right? Yeah. If somebody had delivered that message, that wasn't him, <laughs> right? Like the message is good. He sucks, and and I'm just and I, and it's like fuck. Is he? And he's gonna run again. And Biden's apparently the best thing the Democrats can put forth. Like, well,
0: and the thing is a. too. This is that we're kind of diverging a little bit. I know bit, we are. But, sorry, but. but but with like Biden not going to East Palestine and going to Kiev instead, <laughs> and. Yeah. And all this stuff, but Trump going to East Pal like Oh my god, did you see the clip of this? No, I did not. Oh, it's horrible. But I'm like, this is playing this is so into Trump's funny. favor. Oh yeah. That like, that buying,
1: was a political mistake for sure. Is
0: such Yeah. A useless Yeah, he is. Idiot. Yeah. That I'm like, I just can't like you're playing into Trump.
1: Yeah. He and oh Trump loved it. There's this I'm hilarious sure. <laughs> clip of him at a press conference where he's like look i can't stand trump and i wish he'd go away and i don't want him to run again but he is funny he is funny he's in (laughs) this press conference biden's not
0: funny no biden's not funny he's like weird and creepy and and awful
1: no but so trump is in this press conference and he's talking about you know he's like reading off a script of you know whatever about how they're going to support east palestine technically is how you pronounce it and um and then he says and then he goes off script and he's like we're bringing water, lots of water, Trump water.
4: He's got <laughs> Trump-branded water.
1: And he's like, we also have lesser water. You'll want to get in line for the Trump water first. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, we brought it on my plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what
0: but like what's funny so about that funny. too, though, and not funny about it, but why it's also playing playing into, his, into this, mm. is that you have, like the CDC and the EPA running, oh, I'm going to get into this in my segment, but like just running... F- phony tests and telling everyone that everything's fine
1: yeah they're not testing for specific things and therefore the tests are coming back clear but they're testing for general hydrocarbons right but not
0: specific ones right and so they're like everything's fine drink your water you don't have to worry yeah
1: they had their little stunt where they like took teeny little sips or i would assume probably didn't swallow anything right yeah from the tap at that old lady's house uh, not sean reagan that's my coworker. uh michael <laughs> reagan <laughs> the head of the epa right yeah <laughs> and and then the republican governor there but that's a good transition let's dive yeah, into your piece totally yeah
0: and before i dive into mine yeah do you want a second beer
4: fuck yeah i do yeah, okay
0: yay we'll be right back we'll
4: be right back
0: <laughs> all right friends we are back after a short break
1: Love a two-beer news and brews. Yeah,
0: with, with a Corona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to do like, you know, some great craft beer, but there's one Bridger Brewing Mad Mile in the fridge mm. with a cream ale, which is great, but I want, my, I want my own beer. I don't want to share. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. Corona's nice.
0: No, yeah. So we're back. <laughs> Where do we leave off? Yeah, we're transitioning into uh, East Ohio. Yep. I just said East Ohio. East Palestine. Right. Ohio.
1: North centrally East ish. Is there West Palestine?
0: It's just it's literally just called East Palestine. I
1: think it's just East Palestine. That's weird.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> Ohio's weird.
1: There's um There's a
0: reason why they're the butthole of the the, the meme is like they're the butthole of the <laughs> country, but
1: I know. Trashcan Paul on Instagram, who's like he's definitely like a little libertarian and based. Oh,
0: he's getting so much more. Yeah. spicy he is he um for
1: like months just had been making fun of he had been making fun of florida for a long time of course and then he started making fun of ohio and then this happened and like
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's just a field day yeah his memes and this is not i feel very very deeply sorry for all those people
1: oh yeah i'm not laughing at them yeah
0: exactly it's just it's a meme ohio sucks yeah right yes
1: and then when, like, shit hit the fan, you could tell he was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't make fun of Ohio <laughs> Right, anywhere. not right yeah, now, like, right. Not right now. Once they get through this. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I'm going to dive a little bit into this this evening. Uh, I just want to talk about Norfolk. Follow the rabbit hole into
2: Black Rock, which leads further down the rabbit hole into Obama era. 2008 banking crisis
0: which mm-hmm. then leads further down into the rabbit hole of ties to Ukraine. Wowzers. And it's just, it's just it just goes on and on and on and on.
1: Does it eventually lead to the CIA? Probably. I just haven't <laughs> just we kidding. haven't we, we, we won't know
0: for 50 years. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway everyone knows what's going on now. There was that horrible Derailment, um, toxic chemicals spewed everywhere. The response then was to
2: basically disassemble and burn off all of the chemicals, mm-hmm. which led to
0: ridiculous pu- uh, um, plumes of smoke, crazy like weather, clouds everywhere. Concerns about water contamination.
1: Valid concerns.
0: Uh, Valid concerns. And then just recently, I believe you shared it on Whiskey Bench or maybe you just shared it to me personally. Now videos of people in surrounding areas claiming that snow is smelling like chemicals.
1: Right. And rain.
0: And rain that is smelling like chemicals.
1: Right. And and on the waterfront, what was the, do you have the number of how many fish they've, Calculated have died. That number came out recently. I it's actually like several thousand. I,
0: I don't. But yeah. I've also seen reports, and these are, I have not confirmed these, but I saw a whole report about someone that raised foxes in the surrounding area and a bunch of their foxes suddenly died. Uh, reports of livestock all around the area just dropping dead. Yeah. People, I mean, on ground reporters asking people and, and interviewing people, people feeling sick, immediate, just general illness. And then known side effects of of um why can't I think vinyl chloride right having you know ties to lung cancer various forms of cancer respiratory issues
3: right really
0: really nasty stuff you know CDC EPA their official statements is that they've tested the water and it's fine to drink independent reporting is saying that. They're not testing for the right sort of chemicals. And so a bunch of people are doing independent testing. Um, Real news, no bullshit. I believe not only are they interviewing on the ground, I think they're independently doing water testing for people.
3: Oh, is Uh, that right? I
0: think they also are sending out samples just to get reporting on it for themselves.
1: May I interject a number here? Natural resource officials estimate more than 43,000 animals have died in and around East Palestine, Ohio. Nice. Officials estimate 38,222 minnows, so mm-hmm. tiny fish, and around 5,550 other species, such as other fish, crayfish, and amphibians were killed during the derailment. And none of that counts. Uh, yeah. None of that counts livestock.
0: Right. Which there have this been reports of systems. people saying, yeah. yeah,
1: that their livestock have like- fallen ill
0: or died and this is something you know in in the east coast in general that waterways are very delicate um now to be fair, very very
1: densely populated areas they are
0: yes um especially things like salamanders are very sensitive to water conditions i know there's huge initiatives i think it's the what are they called
1: save the salamander
0: yeah but it's like the giant ones that live on the east coast they're like the fire i don't know fire salam- salamanders or something and they're huge. They're like three hmm. feet long. Anyway. Whoa. They're Really? Three feet? Yeah. And so there's huge I mean really they're really huge initiatives to clean up waters. Which, to be fair, in the United States, especially since like the seventies, our waterways have been cleaned up so much.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, we've done a great job of cleaning our air yeah, and water. Totally. Yeah, totally. But
0: those ecosystems are very delicate to this kind of stuff. Sure. And when you're burning yeah. when you're <laughs> burning chemicals off and giant plumes of of toxins of toxins are in the atmosphere that gets circulated into snow and rain which then yeah it comes back down back into, into the soil right yeah. and, and our waterways and all that stuff so right. the epa is useless um <laughs> really
1: seemingly so which yeah, is really yeah. disappointing and my yeah, like yeah. beef not i'm not going to derail us long but like my beef with this whole thing is just that these agencies I think they're playing politics. I think every single thing that we deal with is the decisions are made based on politics instead of based on science or what really is in the public interest or just fucking common sense. Right. Like how we handled the Chinese spy balloon or Mm -hmm. how we handled this derailment. Everything's a political consideration of who's in power and how is it going to help the party or how is it going to hurt the party? How is it going to undermine our enemy or how could it potentially help our enemy and we should avoid that? That's the calculus and it's obvious.
0: Uh, oh, and just... If speak- Trump
1: was in power, it would be a completely <laughs> different response.
0: And to be clear, our enemies that you're referring to are, <laughs> are not foreign. They're referring strictly to, in quote, domestic enemies. Well, yeah, it's both parties thinking about how is
1: this going to fuck? I mean, it's just like the Republicans all of a sudden give a shit about like clean air and water and want like, you know, are they're totally focused on Pete Buttigieg and whether he's responding well or not. And it's like, that's really not the concern. The concern is this contamination and whether these people are being, you know, adversely affected by it and whether we're doing enough to resolve it. And the left is protecting the regime and the right is just using it as a political ammunition. And it's fucking pathetic.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. So anyway, that's yeah. it's a horrible situation right now. I think it's a much bigger deal than mainstream media is. Claiming it is and definitely a much bigger deal than. Officials are saying,
1: and I'll just say that, like, they've. Now people I could see pushing back saying like, well, CNN did a town hall. It took them almost three weeks to pay attention to this story. Mm -hmm. Okay, like they started paying attention after independent journalists pushed the story and elevated it. And then they had to respond. If circumstances were different, they would have been on it from day one.
0: Yeah, which, you know, we'll have this conversation of whether this is borderline conspiratorial or not, but. It gets very interesting when you start following the money. And that's where I am going to go. Let's follow the money. With it tonight. <laughs> so, uh, new Whiskey Bench segment. Follow the
1: money. What? Ding, 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 ding. I love it. We yeah, need this yeah, yeah.
0: So, right off, I'm just going to dive into some numbers. The creativity all started... From Real News No Bullshit in uh-huh. their post today, which I don't remember. Did you share it? Um, we did. Yeah, We did share it. Mm-hmm. So yep. they just put some numbers up talking about Norfolk ties to BlackRock and um, amount of investment they have in certain giant media groups who happen to own certain giant mainstream media networks.
1: And those happen to be the only networks that the. CEO of Norfolk did interviews with. Interviews with, with yes.
0: Yeah. Fun fact, but right. here we go. <clears throat> Norfolk Southern is a publicly traded company. Their total stock valuation is something like fifty-one
2: billion dollars,
4: which
0: is a pretty substantial market. They're one of the, I think they're the second largest, like railroad. Organization tied to unions. I think there's only one other that is larger as far as like their um, workforce. This is just random. Uh, Norfolk average salary is $49,601, which is above the national average. I've just been trying to. I just looked up as much like (laughs) raw data on numbers that I could Mm -hmm. that I could find. But later on, this will come in 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 to um, relevance. But BlackRock We've mentioned before on the show, mm-hmm. owns almost seven percent of the stocks of Norfolk, which is evaluated at close to four billion, which is not very much. BlackRock deals with something like eight point five trillion dollars in assets as a group, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm.
1: Eight point five trillion.
0: I think they're the second largest in the world. It's a lot of money. And they have more assets. Than the largest banking group in the world, which is like the Chinese Communist Bank of America of uh, Bank whatever of America, America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a Freudian slip. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: well, we know BlackRock and and other investment firms do this, but there's a lot of money vested in Chinese companies that either have direct or indirect ties to the Chinese military, like straight up, like manufacturers of weapon systems for the Chinese. Oh, yeah,
0: totally. People's Um, Liberation Army, so. But before I go into a little bit more of the numbers and everything like that, there was a lawsuit just filed against Norfolk, which is good. Um, So that's going through. You know, Norfolk right now, I think, is just kind of trying to cover their asses. (laughs) They're kind of playing the politics game and...
1: This is a PR nightmare.
0: It's a PR nightmare. Like,
1: I mean, this is like, you know.
0: But I did did do a little (laughs) digging. They've had multiple train derailments. Oh, is that right? They had one in 2018 that I saw. um, And then there was another one. I don't remember when that was.
1: And how did those, what resulted from that? Was there any sort of toxic spill or was Uh, it cargo that wasn't as...
0: It was cargo that wasn't as um, much of an issue. Okay. But from what I can see, it is... Kind of a result of their initiative to streamline and make things more efficient, which I'm going to go into a little bit later. Mass layoffs, cutting corners on quality control and checks and things like that. Hmm. But what, uh, going back to kind of covering their asses, Norfolk has come out and said that they've Distributed $4.9 in direct payments to more than 3,000 local households. Which is $1,000. $1,000 a household.
1: Yeah, which
0: is and, nothing. Right. In this interview, I believe that, again, real news, no bullshit shared, was a couple that said, hey, literally our power was turned off. Right. All of our food spoiled. You know, we don't have clean water. We don't have food. They're... Very impoverished people to begin with.
1: And not to mention the fact that the, their only, potentially only asset, their home, has completely lost all of its value now. Yes. So $1,000 is really and, no compensation. And so
0: some company that has plenty of resources to take care of their mistakes is touting a $1,000 bribe as some sort of, <laughs> like...
1: We're starting to sound like populists over thing. here. Right, yeah. I don't, yeah we're not yeah. populists. No, no.
0: <laughs> um, but it's true. I mean, that's what it yeah. is. They're bribing people to try to basically sure. sweep it under the rug and say, oh, yeah, no, look, like, look, yeah. we're dealing with our, our issue and everything like that. Right. And then the EPA has the audacity to say, well, you guys need to clean this up. Otherwise, you'll be fined $70,000 a day. But you know that money is not going to go to the community.
1: No, of course not.
0: The EPA is just going to be, you know... Absorb it. Absorbing it and using it for, I don't know what, bureaucracy of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so as usual, <laughs> it's just the laymen that suffer. Norfolk has been coming under, uh, a, you know, a lot of critique, rightfully so. And so a lot of their business dealings over the last few years have come to light. Lots of layoffs. They've been... Basically, dumping money into stock rebuys, or I guess stock buybacks, and Mm. so in the last five years they spent four billion dollars on buybacks. So I believe. What
1: does that mean exactly? Buying back from from employees? Employees, employees,
0: I believe. So I think they own eighty percent of their own stock.
2: Oh, okay.
0: So basically, they're liquidating assets and buying stock back, so they have a majority ownership mm. on, on their investment. I mean BlackRock does the same thing and mm. a lot of companies do this. Now they're under more critique because of issues they're having with union workers and the union demanding more sick days. Which which this is very, very reasonable.
1: Well, okay. Uh, maybe on, maybe it is. Maybe it as is. On an
0: individual I hate unions. I don't think union should be doing this.
1: Sure, but it's okay. So maybe they deserve more sick days. Yeah. I, I don't know, not weighing into that specifically. However, the Biden administration's response has been like, we're going to push for all of these union wish list items that have mm. nothing to do oh. with anything <laughs> that would have prevented this derailment. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, more sick leave days wouldn't have directly prevented this derailment from happening. So, you know, I would argue, I don't know if... More regulation would have prevented this from happening. Maybe you have a different opinion. I'm not strongly convicted in that, but from the little I've read, I'm, you know, I'm I, not. I, I'm let's, not sure.
0: Well, well, let's okay. Let's go over that actually right now, though, sure. Because this this is something also that's coming to light is that Norfolk spends a lot of money on lobbying.
1: Yeah, of course. Right, naturally.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just spent before we recorded. You know, probably twenty minutes just going through their public records of of donations, and they basically cap out all their donations for everyone.
1: They spread it around. Yeah,
0: which is just a you know, yeah. it's the same, It's like it's a good strategy. It's a good strategy. It's just like when all the idiot leftists were like, "We have to boycott Home Depot because they donated to Trump."
1: Yeah, it's like they donate. And you're to like, everyone. they
0: literally donated the same amount to both parties because
1: yeah. they're buying favor.
0: And that's just it. And it's the same thing. They're hedging. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing with, uh, what's his face, Bloomberg. You give everyone as much money as you can and then whoever wins owes you a favor.
1: Right. Totally. (laughs) If you got it, you might as well spend it. Uh,
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Anyway, so, you know, they do a lot of lobbying. It doesn't seem like they're particularly one political party leaning Like I said, they they no the really
1: powerful people aren't no not at all they control both parties. But they did
0: do a lot of lobbying about uh, against certain railroad regulation and safety protocols. Mm. Against that, which I do think ties into their recent push for laying off so many people and trying to streamline their basically safety protocol. Okay, so let me see if I can find the numbers here. Here we go. The announcement comes, this is from an article, uh, CNN business, which we'll get, you know, CNN's basically heavily owned by all of these people, but the announcement comes after, uh, hours after the company's chief financial officer, Mark George told investors that it is still struggling to fill open positions. It has almost, uh, that it has at almost all 95 locations where staff is based. Mark also said the company may have cut staff too deep during the early days of the pandemic and that it has had trouble bringing back laid-off staff members. End quote. Norfolk Southern success is built upon the incredible work our craft Railroaders perform every day. We are committed to improving their quality of life in partnership with our union leaders, said Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw in a statement announcing the deal. The deal is with the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Division, the union representing 3,000 track workers at Norfolk Southern, and the third largest union at the railroad behind the unions, representing conductors and engineers. Norfolk Southern has about 19,000 employees total, and about 15,000 of whom are union members. But that's down more than 20% from the 24,600 employees it had, including 20,000 union members in 2019. And then as I looked at that, as far back as like 2015, I believe it's something like 40,000 railroad employees have been terminated. Hmm. And when you uh, now,
1: Because they're obsolete or um, why?
0: I don't know necessarily. So here's uh, an article from USA Today that again, I'll link. Uh, the railroad industry has cut roughly 30% or 45,000 total workers since 2015. And since deploying precision scheduled railroading, uh, otherwise known as PSR, Norfolk Southern has shed roughly 40% of its 30,000 workforce. By the end of 2021, the company employed 18,000 workers. Meanwhile, major railroad operators, including Norfolk Southern, have paid out $196 billion in buybacks and dividends, um, and more than $150 billion spent on infrastructure improvements. But what I saw in reading this is that their initiative for these uh, precision scheduled railroading is to get, obviously, more freight transported in less amount of time, but they have less workforce. And so before all of these layoffs, their safety schedule was a two-minute schedule for each car
2: to be inspected on the train
0: before it is cleared to start its transit. And reports from workers now say that they have about 30 seconds to inspect each car.
1: Well, that sounds like it's not enough time.
0: It sounds like it's not enough time. (laughs)
1: Like at all.
0: (laughs) And with all of these uh, layoffs just in general, in the railroading industry... There's just not as many people to maintain tracks. And this is where we're starting to see, I don't know if you saw that crazy picture, again from Ohio, of the railroad track. Is that real? I'm pretty sure it's real. And the thing is, is like these are all just... Um, they're old lines. They're old lines, and, and these railroad tracks are compacted gravel and things like that. And they, it's like roads. They, they shift. They, they, they shift, they settle, they need maintenance. That's why you see all the time, railroads shut down they have to replace railroad ties they have to put new track in and if that's not upkept it just increases the chances that there's going to be a catastrophe right and so i know there's a lot you know there's a lot of stuff floating around about conspiracy and like this is all like deliberate really i think it's as simple as there's been massive cuts in workforce which, to be fair, is not always necessarily a bad thing, right? Sometimes there's just bloat. There's too many employees.
1: Especially with union employees. Yeah, exactly. They set the table so that there's more of them there getting more benefits. and Totally. It creates, you've talked about this in the construction industry. Yes, exactly. A lot of inefficiencies around union workers. Totally.
0: But it seems like they've just shifted it in the wrong direction. Too far. Too <laughs> far. So there's not yeah. enough people to actually maintain. Yeah they're cutting corners on their safety checks.
3: Mhm.
0: And all of these things just add
2: risk to your transit and sooner or later
0: you're going to see an uptick in accidents. And frankly, I wouldn't be, survi- I wouldn't be survived I wouldn't be surprised if this is also what is happening in like processing plants that have been burning down. And, and all of these, like, in quote, uptick in, in issues that we're seeing.
1: Well, and some of that is just an implicit bias in, like, these things are happening. You can look at data that, like, there's an average number of sort right. of rail accidents that happen every year. And we're not necessarily over that average. Mm-hmm. But we're now paying attention to them more. So it seems like more because in years past we didn't pay attention to any of them. But totally. It, it's actually the same number. I will just say, I did come across a story that was a little unsettling. Okay. Out of um, Philadelphia, that a pipe bomb was discovered um, on a freight line. Oh, gosh. Outside okay. of a church. All right. And the pastor was like, I don't think they were targeting the church. Yeah. Because it was like far enough away from our building. It seemed like they were targeting the, the freight f- line. The freight line. And it was on the tracks. Yeah. And it was discovered.
0: Well, so there's yeah. that. Well, we know there's horrible, bad people. So,
1: <laughs> And sometimes there's people who just like see there's psychotic people who see a trend and want to like be a part of it, you know, and so oh, they're yeah, going to totally. like, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But that did happen. Someone planted a bomb to derail a train. This p- particular incident, apparently it was a bearing that overheated. At least that's what they've said. Right.
0: Yeah, and again, that ties into maybe that could have been avoided if they spent more time inspecting right. each car. Right, yeah. And I don't know, you know, I don't... I say, they say 30 seconds a car. I don't know how many people are inspecting one car. I mean, it might be a whole crew, right? So yeah, this is yeah, arbitrary, yeah. right? Maybe maybe right. two minutes is is she too, is much, too time, much time, but maybe yeah. 30 seconds is not enough and, right. you know, whatever. But the point being, like, that is a massive cut, and maybe there was bloat and inefficiencies in the two-minute quota but like this is all i mean this all falls on the responsibility of norfolk right Mm -hmm. and and their duty to safely transport their cargo right but anyway this is a whole thing they're under a lot of scrutiny for all sorts of stuff um but in this tie to norfolk um, there's been a lot of talk about their relationship with uh, local governance. Obviously, their lobbying, everything like that. There's been some false reports about reporters being arrested. There was one report. There was, there was one reporter arrested during mm-hmm. a town, like a, a town hall meeting, who apparently was being too loud, and there uh, there was a conflict. He was arrested.
1: That was like early days. Too. Yeah, exactly. Before anyone was reporting on it. Yeah,
0: the charges were dropped. So there's not at least, there's not like, at least I don't see any evidence that there's some like conspiracy of them like hiring police to. Well, no, the story's uh, right. out. Yeah, but, exactly. So yeah. anyway, just figured I'd, I'd put that there. Sure. But anyway, a massive owner of Norfolk is BlackRock. Like I said, 7%.
1: Which put that into numbers? You had actual numbers uh, around that, didn't you?
0: Yeah, so it's seven percent, which is four billion of the fifty-one billion mm-hmm. market value of Norfolk, which is a substantial amount. Like I think they're the number one holder in it, so they've got a huge stake in it. Uh, and this kind of is going to lead me down the the rabbit trail of BlackRock because they have a massive interest in all sorts of companies. And they also have a massive stake in a lot of media groups. So they have, I believe, either in most, in all of these, they're either position one or position two of the most um, stocks held. So in Comcast, they own 12 billion market, which is a majority. 1.3 1.3 billion in Warner Media which is CNN and then a bunch of others and I've got a list here of that but um BlackRock and Vanguard are the two largest like investment groups in the world the third largest is a company called State Street which is actually owned by BlackRock <laughs> <laughs> so of the big 3 two of them are technically BlackRock which I read that and I was like that is hilarious um but what's interesting is the largest shareholder of all of blackrock's investments is vanguard hmm. so vanguard so
1: they're totally intertwined
0: totally intertwined yeah and i'm i have no doubt that well i know vanguard is a huge owner of blackrock as well so at some point you're like i don't what is going on here like Yeah. This is all our huge. Where's the line? Yeah. You know, stockholders. But because these three companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, are the three largest in the world, (laughs) this is their numbers combined, BlackRock and Vanguard. They own 18% of Fox, 16% of CBS, which includes 60 Minutes, 13% of Comcast, which is NBC, MSNBC, CNBC, Sky Media Group. They own 12% of CNN. 12% of Disney, which is ABC, Uh, Mm. between 10 and 15% of Gannett, which owns USA Today, 10% of Sinclair, local television news, which controls 72% of US households' local TV. Wow. And a large unspecified chunk of Graham Media Group, which owns Slate and foreign policy. And I've read so many articles being like, no, Vanguard, BlackRock, Slate Street, like, they have such massive influence in what you consume. And I read multiple articles that, you know, you can be a, a board member of multiple companies. BlackRock members are board members of, they were board members of Twitter, of CNN, of Disney, of, hmm. of all of the major corporations you can imagine, um, like Netflix, Netflix. YouTube, they all sit on multiple boards, and when you have that much stock in it, like, you have a seat at the table. Right. So, just remember that.
3: hmm
0: BlackRock was also chosen by the Obama administration in 2008 during the financial meltdown. Um, basically, they were given the opportunity to buy toxic assets. Um,
1: toxic assets? Yes. Okay.
0: That the Fed was not legally allowed to purchase. Oh. So they got a special deal on that. Right. They were appointed the independent expert and like, basically counselor for the Obama administration during the whole f- fiasco. They yeah. also won a no-bid contract to, man- to manage $250 billion slush fund. And they also were allowed to leverage $4 trillion in Federal Reserve credit.
1: So they were partners in bailing out industries. Yes. Because they were going to be able to turn a profit on it.
0: Yes. And they were given Federal Reserve money. Wow. To do so.
2: Wow. Is that legal?
0: I don't know. It gets more interesting. BlackRock COO Larry Fink.
1: My dad hates Larry Fink. Yeah.
0: Angled for the position of (laughs) Treasury Secretary (laughs) when Hillary Clinton was running for president. Ah. He served briefly on an an advisory committee for Donald Trump. He was also promoted to be Treasury Secretary in the Biden administration. Fink's former Chief of Staff, Adwal Wally Adamo, is now Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Treasury. Former BlackRock Executive Brian Deese is Biden's top economic advisor. Former BlackRock executive Michael Pyle serves as chief economic advisor to Kamala Harris. (laughs) And the list goes on.
1: Yeah. Well, there's an insidious relationship between Wall Street and... Yes, totally. ...public service,
0: federal government. Furthermore, (laughs) BlackRock, Mr. Fink, has met multiple times now with Zelensky, talking about the... Eventual rebuild of Ukraine.
1: Right. There's a lot of money to be made.
0: Yes. As the official advisor for the project.
1: Yeah. So American taxpayers will pay for the rebuild and he'll be managing companies that get the bids and get paid by American taxpayers. And he'll
0: probably make 30%. And Zelensky will skim
1: whatever he needs off the top.
0: Yes. Remember, they're, you know, top 10 most corrupt countries (laughs) in the world.
1: God. So, we're just like bailing out corrupt politicians yes. and trillionaires all over the place. So, uh, BlackRock's
0: uh, financial advisory group will be basically guiding the Ukrainian government. Of course. To allocate reconstruction funds. Great. They'll be allocating those funds. <laughs> uh, and creating I feel and trying to, like, basically, yeah, creep opportunities to drive further investment into Ukraine.
1: What about, like, a digital currency? And then that currency can be. All donations and tax money can get funneled through that currency and then donations back to (laughs) the Democrat Party can be funneled through that same digital currency until Sam Bakeman Freed gets indicted because he was in over his head. Yeah, totally. The whole Ponzi scheme falls apart.
0: But yeah, like long story short, like... All of these big ticket players are so intertwined Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and I have no doubt that companies like Vanguard and BlackRock are willing to do pretty much anything in their power
2: to prevent the bad PR
0: that will come their way.
4: What
2: do you think the whole ESG thing is that they're they've been pushing? Yeah, totally. That's social
1: credit that they're buying.
0: Yeah, it's dumb. Not just dumb; it's terrifying and evil. But right, (laughs) you know, it's just like it's just it's slimy, right? Like there's just there's so much entrenched back scratching, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you—that's when you, also when you fascism, see, by the way. It is totally
1: corporate power deeply entrenched with
0: centralized federal power. And and again, this ties into like just you know trying to make comparisons where it's fair, and we will look at something like Russia and say Putin is so evil for you know his oligarchs and. Giving money to these oligarchs for political favors. That's literally what we're doing. Oh, we do the same fucking thing. We dress it up differently. Same thing.
1: Yeah. Everybody does it. Yeah. That's why the state is evil.
0: Right. Frankly. And this also goes back to the whole like who thing and like just don't give consolidated power ever to massive conglomerates.
2: Mm hmm. And I do not even go into the fact that, like, BlackRock
0: also, like, sits on, like, you know, Google boards and, obviously, weapon manufacturers and massive land deals, right? They, they're buying up land and houses all across the United States and internationally.
2: Single-family
1: homes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just weird. You know, we're at this, like, uh, at least I say we. I'm at this weird crossroads, right? Where, like, it's, it's again, it goes back to like being politically homeless. where yeah, Totally. I am like anti establishment and I'm anti oligarchy and like, you know, these big conglomerates, but I'm not like eat the rich. No. And, and, you know, it's like this weird, I, about... I don't, I'm in this limbo. I don't know where I'm at.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said, like, Whenever power is consolidated, like there's a threat to your average person, mm-hmm. to the people. And it's not a matter of, and that's the difference. The the rich people want consolidated power. they just want it vested in the people that they trust, which is, you know, some sort of benevolent
2: dictator, which is a, you know, fairy tale. The anarcho-capitalists. Don't trust any centralized power, whether it's private or public, because
1: they understand human nature. Yeah. And they understand that that type of power is corrupting. And they understand, you know, Mises and Hayek's knowledge problem that no one person or small group of people have enough knowledge to make decisions for Mm -hmm. the masses. They will be wrong and they'll be inefficient. And so decentralized power is, is, you know, empowering individuals is really the only way to ensure liberty and sovereignty.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, I guess in all of this, like with these big conglomerates that are, are I mean, at, at a scale They become
1: that, arms of the government. Yeah, they are arms It's just like Twitter censorship where everyone's right. like, well, technically they're a private company. It doesn't really matter if they censor doctors because they didn't tell yeah, the right. CDC's wrong guidance. Right. But when they're being pressured by the FBI to censor these people, that is now a tool of the federal government. That is an encroachment on individual constitutional rights. Right. So, just because it's private doesn't mean it's operating in some benevolent world. It's not. It's the same human nature, and consolidating that into one central authority is a fucking problem.
0: And, you know, as we had mentioned just a little bit ago, like, I don't know if more regulation is the answer to these things, you know, what the, what the answer is... I would assume not. No. <laughs> what the answer is that regulation doesn't matter. The accountability is what matters. And companies like Norfolk make so much money because they offer a valuable service.
4: hmm
0: And they are given the privilege... To transport expensive chemicals and freight across the country and rake in massive profits, which they deserve. But with that comes their responsibility to maintain and upkeep their end of the deal.
1: Right. And when they're and, strategically bought into certain media companies and yes. when they're in when they insulate themselves from Correct. criticism, that's a problem.
0: And when they can cash out or when they can you know shell out pennies of of their profits for a mistake that they made in hopes of covering it up that's an issue mm-hmm. and they have the resources on their side media manipulation and even governmental influence and and potentially favors to shield them from that that is the issue Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes into the too big to fail thing and everything like that. Like, if you have a successful business and you aren't able to cover the mistakes that you made, they should go bankrupt if that's what it takes. Totally. To provide for the community that they destroyed.
1: That's how a free market
2: works efficiently. Totally. Failure is key to a free market system. And so let's
0: hope that this lawsuit that's been filed actually comes through. Yeah. And, you know, the unfortunate reality is it's not going to really help anyone that gets sick and dies of cancer in 10 years. Right. Um, But it's something. Then, you know, it's more than $1,000 a person.
2: Right. Which is honestly, like, it's kind of an insulting amount. It is. And...
1: In the Martyr made series, Fear and Loathing, and the New Jerusalem that I was listening to, he closed it talking about how, you know, the U.S. military, after we would do a drone strike and accidentally, like, kill mm-hmm. a, you know, take out a wedding party or whatever, innocent people. Yeah. We have a program where we set aside money.
3: <laughs> sure.
0: What's, what's, to pay the families. Uh, yeah.
1: I think it depends on the circumstances, but it's never very much. It's thousands of dollars.
0: That's what a human life is valued. Right. And it's like, how
1: do you put a price on like, sorry, I killed your daughter and your grandchildren. You know, here's 5,000 bucks, which is a lot in their currency. But still, like, it's how do you put a price on that? Right. And he noted that what they found actually was that these programs were successful insofar as The people affected appreciated the acknowledgement. Right. It wasn't necessarily about the money and the dollar amount, because that alone can be insulting, right? Or just, like, how do you, that doesn't help your grieving. But the acknowledgement that, like, we fucked up, we know we fucked up, we're sorry, this is our olive branch. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And Norfolk might have given out a thousand bucks per household. But they couldn't even show up to the town hall meeting because they were fearful of violence against them. Right. Which that alone is insulting to the community, as if they're a bunch of, like, fucking hicks that are going to kick someone's ass, you right. know? Yeah. When in reality, like, no, these are just people whose property values have been completely decimated, which for many of them is probably their life savings, and who are now, like... Being told by the EPA that everything's fine, but the air still smells like burnt plastic and their water tastes funny and fish are dying in the stream behind their house and they're concerned. Yeah. And they want to go and talk to the people responsible and they can't even fucking show up. Like that was a bad move. Oh, for that sure. That was a very bad move on their yeah. part. It was not an olive branch.
0: <laughs> right. And these, and again, this is the last thing I think before we wrap up, these are the same groups Norfolk- which then leads to BlackRock, which has ties with Vanguard, which has, you know, these massive ties with the organizations like WHO and the EPA yeah. that will lecture you and want to control your life about green <laughs> initiatives yeah. and being, you know, neut- you know net neutral for carbon emissions. And-, and they won't take the responsibility of a massive environmental catastrophe that they created.
2: Right. Yeah. They are your enemy. Just remember that. Completely. Yes.
0: And the only piece of advice that I have for you is that the only mask that you should be buying and wearing is a gas mask.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's a whiskey bench top tip. Yeah. (laughs) Get a wooden burning stove. Yeah. Stockpile some wood.
0: Buy pa- some apparently chickens. Apparently, you need to buy crazy water filtration, and you need to buy gas masks, and apparently, I, I guess, you know, chemical ponchos, because <laughs> cause chemical acid is going to be raining down. Fun fact, a $1,000 won't even buy you all of that, so... Yeah totally Uh, They
4: hate you (laughs) They do
1: Well and it's just it's once again like We don't even have to get into conspiracies of like All these train derailments are Connected and somehow they're doing Do this and like claim that nothing's contaminated But then switch on a dime and say it's all Contaminated and now we're like you know Invoking civil asset Forfeiture to like steal your land And create 15 minute cities which appears to be The conspiracy theory being Floated around and I don't think any of that really makes any sense. But to your point, this seems like a pr- likely preventable error
2: yes. that has had catastrophic consequences. And. For. Reasons to do with money and profit and politics. The severity of it is being downplayed. Right. And that, I think, is shameful. It doesn't have to be more conspiratorial or complicated than that.
0: No, not at all. And this, you know, again, talking about the Republicans kind of just using it as politics. Yeah. You know, one of the only valid critiques that I think they're leveraging right now is, yes, our president decided to not address it. Yeah. and For weeks. For weeks. Go to Ukraine instead.
1: On President's
0: Day. On President's Day.
1: His comms team fucking sucks. (laughs) Like, I don't
0: know. Apparently they're not going to learn. But like, Multiple organizations have denied aid to Ohio.
1: If FEMA turned them down because it's not a natural disaster. It's
0: not a natural disaster. (laughs) Meanwhile.
1: It's the kind of thing where it's like, I would want my tax dollars to go to that.
0: Yeah. Right? Totally. I'd rather go there than Ukraine. I uh, guess. Yeah. Which again is the say this is the last point. Like meanwhile, he's drafting a fifty billion dollar bill. Yeah. For aid to Ukraine.
2: Yeah. It's not fifty billion. The most recent one? Yeah. It's a little over three billion. Three billion. Yeah. Ah.
1: It's a little over three billion. And then like I think maybe fifty million. Oh,
0: fifty million. Is
1: of that is Military and then the rest is apparently people's pensions (laughs) (laughs) or whatever he accidentally admitted.
4: Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Humanitarian slash subsidizing corrupt politicians in Ukraine. But
0: Anyway. Yeah. Just (laughs) as the United States infrastructure crumbles.
2: We're.
0: We're.
1: What happened to that infrastructure package that was like almost a trillion dollars whatever the fuck <laughs> right, it was right. where did that money go I mean we
0: do have we have degrading roads and we have degrading railroad tracks and we have water issues and we have power grid issues and you know everyone's argument is oh if you didn't pay taxes who would fix the roads fun fact They're not fixing any of that stuff. We
1: pay taxes and they aren't fixing the roads. Yeah, it's true. Uh, No, because they'd rather campaign on having. It's just like when, you know, frankly, like certain Republicans after George Floyd put forth like. Fairly common sense police reform and the Democrats wouldn't even debate it. mm -hmm. They didn't even like veto it. They straight up like prevented it even from from being brought to the floor because they'd rather campaign on the issue. Both parties are guilty of that. Oh, yeah. They'd rather have issues to campaign on so they can enrich themselves and empower themselves than actually solve anybody's problems. The people who want to solve problems are sidelined and they're, you know, portrayed in the media as a laughingstock. Yes. Ultimately, it comes back to, like, the fourth estate, the media. They have a fucking responsibility and they've completely abdicated it. I expect politicians to be, like, slimy and self-serving, right? I expect mega corporations to also be self-serving and figure out a way to lobby the government in their own interest and insulate themselves from criticism or retribution or whatever. The media is supposed to be our bulwark against that. They're supposed to be the ones that are exposing it and informing the public. So then we can have informed voters that can kick out the assholes. But when the media stops fighting the man and becomes the man And their sole responsibility is like they have all allegiance to the regime and every story is filtered through. How does this affect the regime that I like? You know, they've abdicated their responsibility and we no longer getting honest information.
3: Yeah,
0: totally. So thank God for independent journalists. I mean,
1: really, though, honestly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: For the for the few. Yeah. That refuse to sell their soul.
2: Mm hmm. Yep.
0: So. Anyway, I think <laughs> I think that's as good of a place as any to, sure. <laughs> to wrap it up this evening. Yes. As always, hang out with us, follow us on Instagram, Le Twitter. Mm hmm. Which still hasn't collapsed. Thought Twitter was gonna die. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I guess three months ago. Musk's doing an okay job. Yeah. <laughs> I like the feature of um showing the reach yeah. on posts. That's nice.
0: It is nice. Yeah. Be like, great. Zero percent engagement.
4: Well, yeah, yeah, when you're
1: like, a hundred people have seen this and nobody's liked it. Yeah, you're like, hmm.
0: That sucks. Clearly there's something <laughs> something wrong with them. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Come like our tweets. Yeah.
0: Give me attention. I crave it. No, on that note, thanks for listening. Stay classy. <laughs> yes don't believe the oligarchs (laughs) question everything question everything (laughs) cheers all right cheers